0: You've been standing for a while so you can remain seated. I think it's appropriate at the end of this service. I think we dedicated six or seven children in the first service. We're going to ded- dedicate more here so that's, that's appropriate. In John chapter 19 and verse 34, it says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out Blood and water. So, I'm going to teach you something today simply called What the Wound Reveals. There's a lot of confusion in, uh, I guess I would call it, evangelical Christianity about what constitutes salvation. Some say uh, you're saved at the point of faith, all you need to do is confess Christ. Which usually means you're asked a series of questions. Questions like, do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe Jesus died for your sins? Will you open up your heart now and allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life? Congratulations, you're saved. And there are scriptures that are used to affirm this approach. Scriptures like, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's a scripture in Acts 16 and 31 that says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. I've spent considerable time in services past showing you that I've always believed the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. And if you use this approach, you're not going to be able to get around this verse in John 7 that says, He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So you're not commanded to Do it the way your preacher said, or your rabbi, or your priest, or your pal and friend. What's the scripture have to say? And if you do a search about what the scriptures say, you're going to find verses like this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not and consequently isn't baptized is damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. One of those signs is you're speaking with new tongues. If you have a red-letter Bible, it's interesting to note, those words right there are in red. Jesus said that. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel today, but suffice it to say that I strongly agree with Acts 16 and 31, that you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but I also can't get away from John 7:38. You need to believe as the scripture has said. And the word is very clear that believers are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that believers are filled with the spirit and they speak with tongues. The concept of Calvinism, which is once you're saved, you're always saved. It's a wonderful theory. I really wish it was true. But it won't stand up to serious scrutiny under the scripture. All you have to do is read the first story in the Bible, and you'll find that there was a family that was in it, and then they were evicted. And no less than Jesus said in Matthew 10, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It's not just everybody that starts gets the prize, but you've got to finish the thing. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 22, many are called. But few are chosen. It's kind of like the military. When they had the draft, they called people. And then you had to take a physical and you had to take in, and then you had to be chosen after you were called. And then even after you were inducted in the military, you could, you, 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 there were several ways of getting out. And there, there, there was a, a commendation that you would receive if you did it right and uh, an honorable discharge. And uh, it says in the book of Revelation that when the Lord comes back with his church, those that are with him are going to be called, chosen, and faithful. So the theories vary, but you can't escape the powerful lesson in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, It is the power of God and the salvation. The gospel will save you. And I've asked this question more times than I could possibly remember over the years when I'd ask people, what is the gospel? Most of the time, the response is, oh, it's the good news. No, let's use scripture to explain scripture. Is there a place in the Bible that tells us what the gospel is? And yes, there is a place. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. In verse 1, he says, I'm going to declare the gospel unto you. Verse number 2, he said, it's why you're saved. And then in verse 3 and 4, he tells them what that gospel is. That Jesus died and he was buried and that he rose again the third day. The gospel is death, burial, and resurrection. And you have to do more than simply vocally agree with those historical events, in other words, confessing Christ. You have to identify with those events. He died, we have to die. And you can go out in that road and let a truck run over you. You can take too many volumes, you can put a gun to your temple, or you can repent. And repentance is death in the scripture. You're dying to yourself. That's why it says in Acts 17 and 30, he commands every man, all men everywhere, to repent. He was buried, therefore we need to be buried with Christ. And we are, by water baptism in his name. Romans 6 and 4 said we are buried with him by baptism. He resurrected. We need to identify with his resurrection by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is affirmed in Romans chapter eight and verse 11. If the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what happened to him will happen to you. He died, he was buried. The spirit came into a dead buried corpse and made it live again. We die through repentance, buried in water baptism, Filled with his spirit, the Bible said, to rise and walk with newness of life. This can't be dismissed because Peter, who was given the keys to the kingdom by Jesus in Matthew 16, used those keys on the day of Pentecost to deliver what I can consider the opening salvo of the gospel message when he said, Repent or die. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ or be buried. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost resurrection. It is important that in Acts 17, it doesn't say that Jesus suggested it or implied it. It said he commanded everyone to repent. Anyone that tells you that water baptism is just an added work of grace. It's the difference between manual windows and power windows is ignoring a verse in 1 Peter 3 and 21 that says, baptism doth now also save us. And anyone who says that all you have to do is confess Christ and Holy Spirit baptism is not necessary, better read Romans 8 and 9 that says, if anyone have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Anyone who denies speaking in tongues has to re-watch, cut out Acts 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with utter tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They're going to have to cut out Acts 10 when Peter in Cornelius's house, right while he was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. The Jews that were with Peter were astonished because that on these Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues. Toughest audience to convince in the world were those Jews, those, those, those self-righteous Jews that came with Peter. They could not ignore the fact these people believed just like we did, were filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues. These people believed and were filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues. Acts 19 and 6, Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is credited with being the senior pastor or the bishop of the first church in Jerusalem. He wrote the first letter or epistle to that early church. The book of James was widely circulated. We have it today in five chapters, but it has one central theme, and that is the tongue. James' message is very clear How can you legitimately say Jesus Christ is in total control of your life if he has not controlled the most difficult thing to control, which is your tongue? No, when he fills you with his spirit, the word compares you to a vessel. And when that vessel is filled, the contents of that vessel will leak out at the last opening of that vessel, which is your mouth. You will magnify him through a language you are not familiar with, that, my brother and sister, is true power. That is total control. When the Lord can control the faculty of speech and magnify himself through your language, through your tongue. And that brings me to my lesson. Here's 1 John 5, 7, and 8. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Some people say, see there, there's the Trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's why it says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, Father. And the Word was with God, Son. And the Word was God, Holy Spirit. Please Answer a simple question for me. How in the world can you separate your words from yourself? And what about that verse that says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is so simple. There's one supreme spirit. you got a spirit. Angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. But when you talk about him... He is the ultimate, the supreme spirit, thus given a capital S in the Bible. That's why it says in John 4 and 4, there is one body and one spirit. There's not a spirit of the Father separate from the spirit of the Son, separate from the Holy Spirit. There's just one spirit. The Father is that one spirit. And the Son is nothing more than that Spirit wrapped in flesh. And the Holy Ghost is nothing more than that same Spirit wrapped in our flesh. Just like it was wrapped in His flesh. There's just one Spirit. Are you Trinitarian, Pastor Hoffman? Of course I am. I believe in three, but three what? Not three separate persons, but three separate things that that Spirit did. I believe that Spirit created the world. I believe that very same spirit was wrapped in flesh and died on the cross. I believe that very same spirit reinhabits in our lives to give us the power to live above sin. Call that spirit Father, call it Lord, call it God, call it holy. It's all the same thing. There's just one spirit. That's why John understood that and said, these three are one. One plus one plus one is not one. It's Three. But if you understand that father and word, you can't separate him from his word. Look what it says in five and eight. There are three witnesses needed in the earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. Jesus taught in Acts chapter one and verse eight that he expected us to be his witnesses in the earth. John helps us to understand that there are three things that you're going to need in order to be what he considers to be a legitimate witness. You're going to need the water, you're going to need the blood, and you're going to need the spirit. And that's the problem with doing this all the time. Because there's more to this than this. There's more to this than the cross. Here's the problem with Christianity. You have a huge crowd standing at the cross and saying, this is all you need right here. So we'll hang that thing around our neck and we'll do that motion. And then you have the spirit-filled bunch at Acts chapter 2 and say, if you don't have the infilling of the spirit, you people are never going to be saved. Here's the truth. You need them both. You need the elements of the water and the blood that you get at the cross and you need the spirit that you get from Pentecost. For years, i have delighted in showing you the power of the name of Jesus, especially in water baptism. Because there's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin and that's blood. The problem is Jesus died 2000 years ago. So how do we access his blood today? It says in 17 and 11 of Leviticus that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So, what is the power of the blood? Life. What is life? The power of the blood. It's synonymous. But watch this verse in the New Testament. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Ah. Now we have revelation because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That when you go from Genesis to Revelation, it's like a flower opening up. And if you try to pull that thing apart back there in Exodus and Leviticus, all you're going to have is a stamen and a pistol and some petals, and it's not going to be anything like the beautiful bloom it's intended to be. And if you read that scripture and study that thing and understand that we were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone in all scripture, all Old Testament and New, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. You understand that that this, this Bible, there's no fluke there. It's divine engineering. It's there for a reason so when you read John 20 and 31, it said, and that believing you might have life through his name, it's obvious if you have the name, you have life. If you now go to Leviticus 17, 11, if you've got life, you've got the power of the blood. If you've got blood, listen to this verse in Hebrews 9 and 22. Without shedding of blood is no remission. That's the negative. Now look at the positive aspect. If you have blood, then there is remission. So if you've got the name, you've got life. If you've got life, you've got blood. If you've got blood, you've got remission. If you've got remission, God got Alzheimer's. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your slate has been cleaned off. It's a brand new day. No wonder Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Do you understand the blood is in the name and when we use the name of jesus the blood's in the name now you can understand acts 4 and 12 that said neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved that at the name of jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess There's a power there. Let me ask you a question. Are you under heaven? Is there sky above you, above this roof today? And if there is, then you have the wonderful privilege of having the name of Jesus imprinted upon your spirit. That's why it says in Matthew 18 and verse 16, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word would be established. It's an Old Testament concept. Because I know in our Bible it said, thou shalt not kill. But that's not what it says in Hebrew. In Hebrew it says, thou shalt not commit murder. Because if you commit murder, it's going to be an eye for an eye. It's going to be a life for a life. But there were times, of course, which is what we would call manslaughter. If someone died accidentally, you could run to one of six strategically placed cities of refuge. And they would have a trial there and you needed at least two three were better eyewitnesses that could stand up on your behalf and plead your case and let them know he didn't intend for this to happen he should be exonerated this is what jesus was talking about when out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established two is good three is even better but the fact is we have four witnesses in the word that water baptism is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 2.38 says that. Acts 8 and 16 says that. Acts 10 and 48, they were, it said he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. It's uh, Acts 19. People who'd already been baptized by no less than John the Baptist were rebaptized, And it says in Acts 19 and 5, when they heard this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The kicker for me is in Acts chapter five and verse 28, when the, the council, the religious leaders arrested and beat the early apostles and they said, didn't we command you not to teach in this man's name? Do you intend to bring his blood upon this city? Absolutely because the only way you can bring his blood upon a city is by preaching and teaching the name. The blood's in the name. And that's the powerful message of the cross, that when that soldier, trying to convince everybody he was dead, pushed that spear through his ribcage and into his heart, trying to prove that he was dead, in fact, provided us with an amazing revelatory witness because when he did, it said blood and water came out of his heart. What an amazing example of water baptism. But there's still one witness that's missing. You gotta have the hat trick. You need the trifecta. If you're gonna be a real witness, you need the water and the blood and the spirit. You get the water and blood from the cross, You get the Spirit from Acts chapter 2. I want to be an effective witness. I want to repent of my sins. I want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so full that He controls my speech. There are dozens of verses in the Bible that say this. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. I wish I could protect you from wounds. I can't. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I would not be saved if it weren't for wounds. Wounds. Hands, feet, a torn back, holes in his brow, hole in his side. Thank God for the wound. And when you even think of it, the gospel message begins with death, burial, resurrection. I had a very dear elder that I I truly didn't understand how great he was until many years later, but when I was a boy, young preacher, I used to drive a man around by the name of Billy Cole. Billy Cole never went anywhere alone. He got it from Billy Graham. Billy Graham had a long ministry, but he was never touched by scandal. And he said one of the reasons he was never touched by scandal was he would never go anywhere alone. There was always somebody with him. So Billy Cole adopted that, and he would never go anywhere alone. He would call me, come down here and drive me, I'm gonna go preach. And I had wonderful memories of driving him around Two days before he died, he called me, and he said, Harold, the time of my departure is at hand. I need to call you, son, and explain something to you. He said, I was praying and saying, Lord Jesus, I know it's time for me to go. I've done the best I knew. I, I, I dedicated my life to emulating the ministry of Simon Peter. And he said, I I literally have experienced every miracle that Peter experienced in the book of Acts. I've seen that in my ministry. I've done my best to duplicate the ministry of Simon Peter. And he said, if I ever heard the voice of the Lord, I heard the Lord that day speak to me and say, and that was the problem, Billy. You should have spent that time trying to be like me. So he said, go to my word and find out what I did right before I died. And so he said, I went to the word, and obviously, the last thing he did before he died was say, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So he said, I called all ten of them. You know who they were, Harold. He said, I I will go to my grave believing I was right, but my spirit was wrong. He said, I had murder in my heart against those men, so I, I wanted you to know, son. I didn't want you to question this. He said, I called Every one of those men today. And I asked him to forgive me. Because I wanted, I wanted to die like Jesus died. In a spirit of forgiveness. Ladies and gentlemen. When you get wounded. And hijacked. It, 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 it takes over your life. And it will not allow that wound. To come to a biblical conclusion because the biblical conclusion of a wound is something called forgiveness and restoration and when you allow a wound to have a root of bitterness is it says a root of bitterness springing up not growing down roots grow down but let me tell you about bitterness it doesn't go down forever sooner or later it's going to bloom and it's going to spring up and when it does it says many are offended I I, I, I I want you to understand that when you get wounded and you get full of bitterness and unforgiveness, it's, it's, it's Paul said, the enemy has an advantage over you. I can give you lots of verses that when you wound someone, you are supposed to take the initiative and make that right. But I can give you just as many verses, if not more, that show that it is the responsibility of the one that was wounded to make it right, which is so against everything we've ever been taught and really what most of us live. And if you don't agree with me, all you have to do is go to Calvary because he was the one that was wounded. He he didn't wound anybody. He, He was the one betrayed, and yet he forgave. And that event on the cross made it possible for the Holy Ghost to be poured out on the day of Pentecost. There would have never been a Pentecost if there would have never been forgiveness on the cross before. I remember a couple years ago, I was, came in here and I laid on the floor right there, and I was, I was so hurt with something that happened, and I was pleading my cause to the Lord, and and, and I, I didn't say what they said I said and I, I didn't do that and you know, you know what I said and you know what I did and I'm, I'm asking you to validate me. I'm asking you to defend me. And if the Lord ever, ever spoke to me, it was on that day in that floor when he said, well, Harold, you said you wanted to be like me. No, 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 you don't understand. I want to walk on water. I want to open up deaf ears and blind eyes and, and, and give all them Twinkies and hostess cupcakes away and I, I, I wanna do the miraculous. And it was so obvious, the writings, when it said, you're gonna to have to be someone that fellowships my suffering before you ever know the power of resurrection. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you when a real, a real Pentecost occurs when it's the one that was wounded, is the first to act. And not just waiting for someone to come to them. The Bible said if you offend someone, go to them. Another verse says, if they offended you, go to them. So the ball's always in your court. I don't care if you were the one that did the offending or if you were the one that were offended. Take the initiative to fix the thing. And don't let these funnies persist. For years and years and years. Simple wrongs that could have been simply righted. Because what I'm trying to show you. Is my question is very simple. What does your wound reveal? What's going to come out of your heart. When you are wounded. Will they reveal your venom. And your hatred and your childishness. Or will they reveal your capacity to forgive and your capacity to restore. His wounds on the cross showed us what was in his heart. Water and blood. The sacraments of the new covenant. Think of the power of that. How many cabillions of sins have been washed away because of a wound on a cross. And someone that was willing to give water and blood instead of weakness and bowel That's why the Bible is clear. Step up, stand up, grow up. Here's what it says in Isaiah 61. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Listen to Philippians 2 and 9 when Paul said that he has given him a name which is above every name. Now listen to the next book of Ephesians, where he said that name is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. It's powerful. It says his name is above, but then it says it's far, far above. I know there are symbols, every set of drums have symbols. But according to Psalms 150 and verse 5, praise him upon the loud cymbals and then praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. There are praises and then there's another, another series of praises in Psalms 149. It said, let the high praise it not just let the, the high praises of God be in their mouth a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen punishment upon the people to bind their kings with chains their nobles with fetters of iron to execute judgment upon their and this honor this honor have all the saints praise ye the lord what an honor To not just praise Him, but have an understanding of high praises. I don't have time to read it to you, but both Daniel and David talked about the Lord most high. I am inviting all of us today to a higher way of life. A life that refuses to allow offense to keep us clinging to the ground. Because when you lift that cross and you lift that name, powerful, powerful things happen. That's why Hebrews said, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Do you get what it's saying? Stand up strengthen them feeble knees and when you stand up you refuse to stay lame let let it be healed for goodness sakes because this is a holiness church but we're going to need to be more than holiness if people are going to see the Lord there's got to be peace with all men that goes along with all this holiness stuff that people have been preaching we got to get along with one another it's a oneness church
1: let us be oneness in more than doctrine
0: So you stand up, amen. Let your wounds reveal your forgiving heart. He will be lifted up when we do this. Stand up, lift up your hanging heads, lift up your sagging eyes, lift up those hanging hands. And when you get your head up and your eyes up and your hands up, then the Bible said you can now lift up your voice. And with a lifted stance and a lifted hand and lifted head and a lifted voice, the Bible said you elevate, you elevate Him. Because this is what He said in John, if I, I be lifted up, I will draw all. Do you understand what we're dealing with here? We are not content to simply serve a high and a holy God. We want to have a lifted Lord that can now release a dynamic that's called drawing. I'm not talking that's a sketch here. We're talking magnification. It's what the Bible said in Jude 23. And others say with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. That there's a power when a church understands. I'm not just going to praise them. I'm going to have high praises in my mouth. I'm not going to be limp. I'm not going to be lame. I'm going to strengthen these legs. I'm standing up. I'm lifting up. I'm looking up. Why?
1: Because I want to lift him up. Because only when he is lifted. We all men be drawn
0: hallelujah hallelujah we're going to dedicate children here we dedicated a bunch of children but Jeremiah and Jessica have another baby number three this is Edison this is Edison and when they bring him up here Jeremiah if you get your sweetheart And get Harrison and Evelyn and Edison. Bring them up here. I want you to look how perfect. I want you to look how perfect this boy is. But I want you to understand something. We would have never had him without a wound. And if something this magnificent can come out of a wound, what can happen in our lives? Wouldn't we take something that the enemy... He said, no weapon formed. Trust me, he's worked on your bitterness for a long time. The Bible talks about the snare of the fowler. He's done everything he could. I used to trap things when I was a kid. And man, I learned how you, you cut branches and you stick them in and you force those animals to go where you want them to go. And you put that bait in the exact place that when they, they reach it. Boy, I, I used to the electricians had these metal boxes. They didn't have plastic boxes when I was a kid. They had all, all, the, all the medical, all the, all the electrical boxes were metal and, and the, the electricians would twist these, these. They were about the size of quarters. They would twist them things out to get their wires and their plugs in and I'd collect them. I had an auger bit with a one inch bore and I'd go down to the creek and I'd drill them holes in them logs and I'd put that shiny slug down in the bottom of that hole, and I'd put nails around there, because I knew them raccoons couldn't stand it. They'd come down that that log, and they'd see that shiny thing, they'd try to grab that, and when they tried to pull it out, I had them. And I was 25 bucks richer. (laughs) It's a trap. There's an enemy of your soul out there that's gonna do everything he can to trap you. It's gonna drive him crazy when your wound turns out to be something that produces forgiveness and restoration and new life. New life. Will you come please precious elders that we here I We've got ministers, we uh, we got Pastor John and Pastor Mike and I've got I've got Mike Gibbs if you're in the service and Andrew Lickto or Andrew Hill rather, and and Bob Lickto, and and oh, brother, brother, brother Nato, I love that honorato. He he said you got it right. Yeah, 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 I did. I I got that right. And there are many, many others I could call, but I'd like you to gather around these precious people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name amen would you stand with me please and would you stretch your hands so if, if, if mom or dad are here if grandpa grandma are here nieces nephews aunts uncles, just just please please come up around here and the church if you can just get out of your pew and crowd closer around us here right now stretch stretch your arm by faith the Bible said if you can't get to Jerusalem, just look where Jerusalem is. Just stretch your hand out towards Jerusalem. You will not be able to all lay hands on, on Jessica and Jeremiah and the children here today. But stretch your hand this way by faith, all right? Lord Jesus, we, 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 we are here to dedicate. We are here to dedicate a child. And in nominal Christianity, we would stop there. Because we've already dedicated Harrison and we've dedicated Evelyn and now we're going to dedicate Edison and we could stop right there but we have an understanding that really Edison doesn't have a clue about what's going on right now this is about us dedicating ourselves to you for him Lord Jesus
1: as a pastor I I don't ever want this boy to grow up
0: and say, what did Daddy, whatever happened to that guy that used to preach in our church when what uh, uh, Pastor Hoffman? why why, why, why why does why does Sister Hoffman go here and Pastor Hoffman doesn't go here? why whatever happened to Ashley's daddy? where where is he at Jesus where where daddy where where did he go, Lord? if you see in my future that I'm going to bring shame on this church and cause a question, the form in the heart of this little fella. I'm asking you to take me before that ever occurs. I do not want to live a life beneath the dignity of a child of God. I know I'm human, I know I'm frail, I know I got flaws, but I'm asking you, God, right now, please don't let me regard things in my heart. That will also bring shame and a stain and scandal on this church family lord
1: i pray for his dad i pray for his mom dear jesus i want jeremiah to be the priest of the house he's always been a brilliant student he's always been a hard
0: worker but lord i, I want him to do more than been been flying a helicopter i want him to do more than just heal somebody's physical wounds i'm asking you lord that this year jeremiah will go to a new level i'm asking you god that he would be more than just daddy but he would be the priest the priest
1: of this house i'm asking you for his sweetheart i'm asking you for jessica god who just quit a very lucrative job Could have kept that job and made a big giant stacks of money but said i want to be a mom i don't want to just make money and lose my kids i'm asking you god right now to honor that commitment and that consecration that she chose to reach for the lost sheep and not the lost coin i'm asking you for grandma and grandpa for aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews. I asking. this is a large extended family. Oh, Jesus, I'm asking you, God, that the Gibbs crew and the Little crew will always be an insulation around this boy, that if he ever needs someone to go to, there will be more than enough options for him to talk to somebody. I'm asking you, God, for this church, for this youth group, As these kids grow up, I don't ever want them to say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to youth service. It's boring. Nobody, I don't have any friends there. I'm asking God today to have a youth group that will consecrate themselves to you for them
0: right now, for this church family. Oh, Jesus. I don't want this boy to be raised up in a church that very, very seldom does anybody get baptized or anybody get the Holy Spirit or nobody get healed for months and months and months at a time. I don't want these kids going to dead prayer meetings, dead Bible studies,
1: dead life groups, dead church services. I want this to be a lively place. I want them to be excited about being in the church. I want them to be excited about serving in the kingdom of God. I ask you, Lord, that this church would dedicate ourselves to you for him today, that he would see a church of revival, a church of worshipers, a church of magnifiers, a church where people are eager to sit on the front and first to come to the altar and to lift their hands and to lift their voice in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let's thank the Lord together, shall we?
2: Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
1: Hallelujah! 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 Oh yeah! Come up with us, all, buddy. Everybody, be in the choir right now. Hey, everybody sing. The words are there for you. Oh Be yeah. upon you. <laughs>
2: presence of the Lord with us today we pray a prayer over you before we dismiss Lord who are we we get to feel you like this and in our darkest darkest nights we know that you're with us and that you're our strength when we are weak that even in the very wounds that we occur in life you're going to use those to reveal what's inside I thank you for this message I thank you for this day for the ministry of Dave and Stacy Mize for every child that was dedicated today it's just been a great day we are so blessed here at First Church never want to take it for granted how good you are and how merciful you are it's the greatest honor of my life is to know you and to serve you I pray over these amazing people God that wherever their path may lead in the days and the weeks to come that it would be directed and led of you Help us, mighty God, to go forth with understanding, Lord, with the mission to reach and impact the soul. Mighty God, put your blessing upon these people. I pray your favor upon these people, and I pray your provision upon these people. Bless them, mighty God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Don't forget your cookies in the lobby. And tomorrow night, Monday night prayer, I want to see everybody there.